You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Evan Roberts Podcast. Today, I am joined by a fellow Brooklyn Net fan. His name is Mike Biseglia. He is the producer of Taz and the Moose on the CBS Sports Radio Network. He's joined me numerous times for a net podcast. And the focus today is what this team is about to embark on. And what they're about to embark on is a monstrous, brutal, difficult seven-game road trip. But it's funny, Mike, because we've done a few of these net podcasts, and our emotions about this team has flown all over the place. We did a podcast right as their eight-game losing streak was in the midst. And I think we were talking about tanking yep. and giving up. And Kenny Atkinson sucks. Yep. And then I think we did another podcast after they got hot. And we're booking our finals tickets for Oracle for Nets Warriors. I don't think we've done a podcast since the 8-18 eight and 18 mark. Oh, no, we definitely did. No, I don't think we have. We've never done one positive life is good Nets podcast. No, well, I would say so... I was in here, and Billy was in here, and they went to 8-18. Eight and 18. It was at the worst moments. It was before the Raptors game, and everything turned around. And then when they got hot, I was nervous to do another podcast with you because I thought it would jinx them, <laughs> and they would turn them back to a free fall and go on a massive losing streak. So I was always uh, hesitant to join you again on this podcast, you know, but today makes too much sense, so I said yes. You know, you're right. I'm looking back at the Evan Roberts podcast archives, and <laughs> we did that net roundtable discussion Eight December 6th. Yeah, it was right after the Thunder loss, which was the last loss in the losing streak. And every other net podcast I think I did by myself. Instant reaction to the Laker game. Instant reaction to that insane Rocket game. Right. Instant reaction to beating the Knicks. Yeah. Instant reaction to losing to the Trailblazers while I was driving home. Instant reaction to that Hornets game in which we blew a 19-point lead and won anyway. So you're right. This is our first time of being giddy. Yeah, exactly. So And it was a very different podcast. And you list all of those off. And it's just interesting to hear all of the different games and all of the different emotions that have uh, transpired since that 8-18 eight and 18 mark. There's been some wild Nets games. Well, you know what's funny? It, recently, March 2nd, Saturday night in Miami, and maybe I was biased because I was down there. I made the long trip down to Florida, did a spring training trip. But after the loss to Miami, in which this team had fallen under 500, Mm -hmm. they were one game under 500. And not only that, they had lost to Miami, they had lost to Charlotte, and they had lost to Washington. And they had gotten annihilated. Destroyed. In all three games. I don't know about you. I I was starting to believe that this season is about to go to hell in a handbasket. Well, I was fortunate or unfortunate to see the uh, Nets-Washington game, so thank you for uh, allowing me to enjoy that 25-point loss. Or or actually, it ended up only being like an 11 or 12-point loss. Yeah, but it was was worse than that. But they were terrible. I mean, those three games, they looked awful. And it was the first time they got their full roster back together, so there was something 
that needed to happen for them to learn each other again and 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 re-figure out who they were and who their identity was as, as a team with all the new people there. But from seeing those first three games, the it crossed your mind this is never going to come together. They look terrible, but thank God their their schedule softened. They played bad teams. They escaped with wins, and now you feel a little more confident. Well, it's funny because. They beat the Mavericks. They crushed them. And that was a get-well game in Brooklyn, a game in which you said, okay, they needed that. They got back to 500. There was no stress. They blew them out. The game against Cleveland was incredibly stressful. Mm -hmm. They were down by eight late in the third quarter of this game. And even though they came back and actually destroyed them in the fourth quarter, ended up only winning by six. But I think in the fourth quarter, they had taken a 14 or 15-point lead. Even that game... You didn't feel great. And certainly the Atlanta game. I mean, the Atlanta game, and I think the Hawks are a talented team. I have a man crush on John Collins, and I think Trey Young is certainly blossoming. Yeah, he's played well. Into a really good player. The Hawks would not go away in that game. And as Vince Carter is lifting up a three, which had eerie similarities to the game winner he hit against the Raptors with the Nets, yeah, that could have been a kick-you-in-the-balls kind of loss, but they escaped it. And we had both said this, and Joe Beningo gave us crap when we said to Joe, this is the worst you'll ever feel during a three-game streak. It really was. Streak. I mean, it really was. The, but but to go back and you say, like, let's look at the win against Cleveland, the win against Atlanta. Okay, last night the Raptors got beat by Cleveland. Right. So this hap- in, in this league, it happens where you could be the better team and still go in and lose. And it gives you confidence that at least they went in and they found a way to beat Cleveland. They went on a massive run in the fourth quarter. But they're they not went playing in, well. And they're not playing well. They right. went into Atlanta, and they struggled. They had their issues. They missed every free throw they took. Uh. I mean, it was disgusting. But you know what? They were down four with two and a half minutes left, and Spencer did what he drove, got to Jared Allen, got the and one. They got a stop. We got the uh, we got the three-pointer uh, to go in. I'm, I'm blanking on who hit it now. It was, um, it was Russell who hit the three-pointer. So they showed some moxie there. They were able to win these games, and then against Detroit, I mean, for a well, stretch, now, it all came. To, it all came together in look, the second the, quarter. The Detroit game is the game that really makes you feel good because in Brooklyn against the Pistons, the final game before this monster road trip, and really a game that if you have any desires to get the sixth seed, if that's important to anybody listening. And I, I honestly, I don't know how important it I is. I don't think it is at all. I don't think it's that important. I think from a psyche standpoint, this season is about growing, and I think it just feels better to be the sixth seed. Yes. But the truth is, Indiana's not getting the three. I'm convinced of that. So, okay, Philadelphia, Toronto, Boston, take your pick. The, right. The, They're going to be underdogs against any of those three the, teams. Right. The only one, if you, if you were lucky enough to match up against the Pacers, I think you would take sure. that from a 6-3 standpoint yes. without Oladipo. But... It's just about it's just about getting wins. And right. last night was a game where they're at home against a team that's on equal playing field. They got to win because no. they, they need to rack up to get to that magic number of 38-39 or whatever it'll end up being. Right. That was a night 6-7 seed, okay. A, more, a W in mid-March, much more important. No, I agree. More important in that win over the Pistons, which is getting a win. Because yeah. they needed to give themselves as big of a cushion going into this trip as possible. But... Beating Detroit does give them the tiebreaker against them. Of course, And yes. puts them in position to still compete for the sixth spot. But what was so encouraging about this game, and, I, and I'll admit it, on the first possession of the game, that's right, <laughs> I'm going to analyze the first possession of the game. And D'Angelo Russell gets to the line, which is a rarity, but he actually gets to the line, you know, 15 seconds into the game. Yeah. And he misses the first two free throws. That's in their head. Following the mess of the Atlanta game, 
I was already cursing this team out, and they were down 4 nothing eventually. But after that, they thoroughly outplayed the Pistons, and the guy who deserves the most credit is Rodion Skaroots. He was great. He was tremendous he was in tremendous. this game. He, excuse my language, but it's a podcast, completely bitch-slapped Blake Griffin. That's the reality. People, he's... People don't know who he is across the league. I think, like, when the Pistons fan goes to watch the Nets, they're going, okay, we got to worry about Russell. I know this whole Dinwiddie thing, he's been killing us since he's left there. He has these comeback games. I know Jared Allen with the blocks. Nobody knows who this guy is, and I think he's slowly, slowly getting a reputation of being a pain in the ass. People hate playing him. He frustrates everybody. He was frustrating Blake. He did the same thing against... uh, against John Collins, they were getting into it. I've seen, I, I remember he slapped Vince Carter twice earlier yes. in the year. Yes, he, he gets under the skin of guys and he is annoying. And he's one of those guys, you love him on your team, but you're going to hate him when he isn't. Well, I love not only the energy, which is obvious. How many pick sixes to use that phrase? I think in this it was game. three. I think so. I, I mean, like, it was like unbelievable. He's like Ed Reed over there, Eddie Jackson over there. It's cool. But not only that, he's hitting the three. That's a big difference. Which he wasn't really doing earlier this season. And here's a stat. Rodion Skrutz has now started 33 games for the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets record in the 33 games, 22-11. and 11. I mean. And it's not a coincidence. And what we've seen recently is something that seemed obvious but wasn't. And that's Rodion's the stretch four. I know. That's it. You know, we're out there begging for Nikola Miritich or Tobias Harris as a free agent, which I would still take. Meanwhile, their best option at the stretch four is not Jared Dudley. It's not Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. It's not even Damare Carroll as well as he's played. It's this guy because this guy's ceiling has still not been met yet. And he is such a spark. And he was awesome in the game against the Pistons. And the coaching staff had said they were worried about him at the four because he's going up against these big guys. Like a a Blake Griffin, a Kevin Love, John Collins. These are some serious power forwards with some girth and some meat to them. But what he lacks in size, let's say, he just makes up for with energy and tenacity, and he is not scared of anybody at 20 years old. He goes up, he's bumping and bruising. I saw a quote from him yesterday. He says he likes when somebody hits him first because that means he can then hit them back. <laughs> and that is a great mentality to have, that he's not scared of these no. guys. And it's been it's been a lot of fun to, to watch, and he certainly has just changed the way this team comes out with energy early in ball game. Yeah, I mean, he's not the MVP of the team. The MVP of the team is likely D'Angelo Russell. Earlier this season, it was Spencer Dinwiddie, but he has sparked the renaissance because when the Nets were in the midst of the eight-game losing streak, one of the things Kenny Atkinson adjusted on, and it was something I was screaming about. When I ripped Kenny on the air, it was mostly about this, and that was not unlocking Rodion's Karutz. Yeah. Because when we saw him play in the limited time he was out there, he did add that energy. He did add that spark. And I think when he finally gave the opportunity to Karutz, that's when the team started winning. And remember, coming out of the All-Star break, he started he burying him. them again. He didn't even play. No, I know. He was benched. Now you look at it and say, how is that even possible? And you are starting to see this team start to mesh a little bit more. Dinwiddie's back. His aggressiveness is so important. His ability to get to the basket. And also Karis LeVert, who is very start and stop since he's come back from his injury. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's you get the good Karis. Sometimes we get the out-of-control Karis. He hasn't been able to make his jumper quite yet, but I like the move to put him off the bench. He's certainly been able to go in there with a little more energy, come and have a spark for the team. And I think also psychologically – 
not having to start kind of just ease you into yeah. this game and relax a little bit. That's been nice to see. The bench has been great. I'll be curious to see what happens. Well, first of all, how hurt is Damari Carroll? How sure. many games is he out? Sure. But Travion Graham had turned into this net starter. Does he now go to a, a point where he doesn't even play? I don't does, think he plays. Does, does the rotation then move up another player? I'm curious to see how they figure that out. If if Damari Carroll is healthy, and that's going to be the key, because what we saw in the Piston game, and obviously it was a blowout, was Jared Dudley get that first crack. Not even Rondé Hollis Jefferson on his bobblehead night. Which was smart. Well, absolutely. No question. If Damare's hurt, it's different. If Damare's healthy, Kenny doesn't want to play 10, 11 guys. We're seeing it. He wants that rotation at nine guys. That's why we haven't seen a lot of Shabazz Napier since Dinwiddie's been healthy. We've seen Dudley and Hollis Jefferson sort of buried. And I think even if Travion Graham is healthy, as long as Carroll is healthy, and I know Kenny loves Travion Graham, loves the guy. Loves him. (laughs) I, I don't see where he gets the minutes. Yeah, I don't either. It was a good problem problem to have. I mean, we we saw earlier in the season with all the injuries. Now, finally coming all together and well, seeing for a now, mesh. For now, that's the thing. I was thinking about this last night before uh, yeah. Demare Carroll got hurt at the game. Too uh, good to be true with everybody healthy. Well, everybody's healthy. Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going down. Now, Demare's got the hyperextended knee. We'll see. But this is the NBA. And this is the latter part of the season. I'm I'm almost waiting for the other shoe to drop when it comes to health. And it probably will. Now that you've said this, we'll go on the road trip and me. something like that. You gonna blame me? For no, it? I'm not blaming you. For, but but it, like I said, it's been nice to see the uh, this team have a little depth in years. Like I was thinking about this yesterday because I was watching garbage time at the very end. Sure. And the, and the five they had on the court, it's, it was I think it was Theo Pinson, Napier, Dudley, Ronde, uh, Ronde, and maybe Karras was the fifth. And I, I was think thinking so. to myself. This was the team they were throwing out there four <laughs> weeks ago that was the that was out there playing like the Bucks on the road. I, I guess know. there was no Karis. But I was saying to myself, yeah. this was the, the roster they were throwing out there, and now this has become the roster they're throwing out there when they're up 25 against the Pistons, which, which was a good health. sign. It's all about health. But that was a win. Now it's a four-game winning streak. And do they have the cushion I was looking for? Not really, because a few weeks ago I did a podcast. I think it was after the All-Star break. And I said, okay, they've got 10 games before this West Coast trip. And my goal, this is what I stated. Now, just for the record, in the 10 games, the Nets went 6-4. and four. And it was a weird 6-4. and four Very strange. Six because they just won four in a row. So they were 2-4 and four in the first six games of this yeah. stretch of games. So 6-4 and four feels better than it, what it probably was because of the right. way they finished it. What were you shooting for? 7-3? Seven seven and three. Three. What I said, and you could check out the archives, I said. I believe you. Thank you very much. You're like, I'm not checking out. <laughs> no, no shot. No, no, thank you. I'm not pass. helping your download number. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I said seven and three Yeah. at worst six and four. And they gave you the at worst. And considering the middle of it, the losses to Charlotte, Washington, and Miami, it's it shows you that when you try to play these games of, okay, it's, imp- oh, it's, impossible. it's impossible because it all changes based on the way you play early, middle, and end. Like, I feel great about it now. But I didn't feel great about it when they were two and four, and I wouldn't have been that excited well, about six uh, and four. That's an NBA season too. The up and downs of everything. You're feeling good one week, you're feeling bad the next. Like right now, you're at a high, and you could go into Wednesday's game against Oklahoma City. They go down by 25. They look terrible. Yep. Then they go into Utah and lose, and all of a sudden you're going, okay, now we're one game over 500. Orlando has won two in a row, and it's at two and a half. And just like that, yeah. your emotions can change, and it happens that fast. Well. This road trip that they have is because of the way they book Barkley Center. All right, the reason I, why that's what? tough. 
Because the, their season is going to be dictated off a stupid arena. But they're not the only ones. I know it happens everywhere. The I'm Spurs not, have that. I don't. I know. I know it's not just a Nets thing, but it's stupid. Like there, I agree. You'd like there to be more balance well, in the league, and they do the best that they can. But it's annoying. Let me throw this at you because in the history of the Nets in Brooklyn, they've had this trip every single year, and I'll go through them real quick. Coming up. In the first year in Brooklyn, they had they an eight. Were, they were this long. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you right okay, now. You okay. hear it out. Right. In 2013, they had an eight-game road trip. Eight. In 2014, they had a seven-game road trip. You did do some research. I sure did. <laughs> in 2015, they had an eight-game road trip. In 2016, see, we forget 2016 because they sucked. Yeah. They had a nine-game road trip. Nine. 2017, they had an eight-game road trip. Last year, they didn't. Last That's year. That's the problem. But here's what they had last what was year. last year? Last year, they had four different five-game road trips. Which is probably worse. In a way, it is worse. Yeah, I think it's worse. So, I'm not sure how it fell differently last year, but they split it where... I mean, think about it. If you have five... I'm sorry, four or five-game trips, that's 20 games. That's a quarter of your season. That's half your road schedule. That's insane. So That's awful. You'd probably prefer to have the big monster trip. I'd agree. Now, in 2017... They went into their eight-game road trip on a 14-game losing streak. <laughs> so nobody cared. Right. You were thinking, this is good. Get on the road. Team chemistry. <laughs> I'm sure that's what you were thinking or, or whatever they were no, spinning. We, uh, we weren't thinking anything because the season was was nothing. Right. Oh, you know, I'm just, I'm just still... saying the, the phony pregame show you have to put together because right. you have to, have to come up with something. Right. <laughs> well, as fans, here's what we were thinking. We're going to watch our favorite team play, but the expectations are they suck. I mean, when you're 14 and 51 going into a trip, which is what they were in 2016, that's when they had the nine-game trip. We weren't overanalyzing a nine-game trip because they were 15 and 41. Right, what's there to analyze? There's nothing. You don't have a draft pick. What are you going to say? But here's the crazy (laughs) part. They didn't do as bad as you would think. I was going to say they had to have because they finished with 20 wins that season, so they had to come somewhere (laughs) with that many games left. Well, in 2017, the year they won 20 games, they had an eight-game road trip, and they went two and six. <laughs> right, which is great that year. And, and listen to the teams they played. At Denver, lost. At Golden State, lost. At Sacramento, win. At Utah, loss. At Portland, loss. At Memphis, win. At Atlanta, loss. At Dallas. By the way, think about the geography of that road trip. Yeah, this one at least is, you know, all West Coast pretty. I mean, all essentially West, Midwest. The uh, yeah. Till the but, end in Philadelphia. But you're, 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 you're going to be in the, in the two different time zones there. Sure. In 2016, on that nine-game trip, they went three and six, which again, good. it's it's not that bad. They went into the trip 21 and 28. They came out of the trip 24 and 20, 33, but they actually finished the season by winning 14 out of their last 25 games, won 38 games, made the playoffs, mm. which is strange. Yeah, <laughs> which which might get you in this year. At 30 it years. could. It may, you know what? It may. It may. In 2015, on their eight-game trip, they went three and five. On the eight-game trip, right. which, again, is not bad. Six of the eight games against playoff teams. So it was not the easiest schedule in the world. In 2014, they went four and three on their West Coast trip, but mm. only three of them were against playoff teams. Right. And in their first year in Brooklyn, they went five and three on their road trip, but only two of the eight teams were playoff teams. <sighs> this road trip of seven games, five of the seven are playoff teams. The two non-playoff teams, Sacramento and the Lakers, now, the Lakers have fallen off, but the Kings are still a feisty good team. Very much. They had a bad loss yesterday in Washington. I, I I almost feel like this West Coast trip has been talked about so much 
and so long that they are it's it's like this psychological battle now for the fans and the players they've almost set the stage like they're going into battle and so, there's never been a team that's gone on a seven game road trip that's <laughs> been in a playoff hunt this is the first time it's ever been done in basketball history the build up for this thing i'm so glad it's finally here and that they win or lose just get through this mess and we can ha- we can have a resolution on the season like let's get to the games it's here Let's go into Wednesday's game versus Thunder. Fingers crossed that there's no Russell Westbrook, and let's go. <laughs> We're such we don't need him. Begging for injuries. The or best. in this case, a suspension, you know, Taunts. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need to see him there. <laughs> Get him out of there. Give me give me 40 Paul George shots. <laughs> it's a nationally televised game, I know, too. Which, which is, is kind of cool. It's, uh, it's all right. You know what, though? It's a nationally televised game, but it's still on the Yes Network, which means... I won't even pay attention to the fact See, that it's nationally I televised. I will because I'll. I'm, You'll watch ESPN. No, I will. You know what? This, I I don't know who's doing the game for the Nets yet, so I. I, I, uh, I would uh, guess Zion. It's a Wednesday night. I'm, I'm just not saying I don't know for sure. Whatever. Right. But I am curious because the Nets have not been. They've been on NBA TV. I don't like when they played the Kings at three thirty on Monday. That that's you know, a stretch for national TV. But yeah. I haven't heard what national people are saying on a broadcast of a live game in what has it been four years or something right. or whatever. I'm just curious to hear what they say. Well, if I, they're, if they're on point, if they get it, if it's off, if it's the generic, well, D'Angelo Russell's put together an all-star season or if they really know the team in depth like that. I have a little curiosity. Well, with that. But what they're going to do, and this actually annoys me. Some fans get annoyed when they feel like the announcers are too negative to their team or they're biased. I think the Nets are going to be basically so, massaged oh, totally the entire agree. game. Totally agree. And I understand why, because certainly from afar and certainly as a diehard totally fan, agree. what Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson has done has been incredible. No question. The problem is I don't want to be massaged right now. <laughs> when the Nets clinch a playoff spot, full body massage. Let's go. Yeah. Well, All right? All right. Be careful. Full body. Right now, no massages. This is a seven-game trip. It starts off in Oklahoma City Wednesday night. I'll give you one positive. There's only one back-to-back on this entire Mm. trip. But none of the teams they're facing will be playing back-to-backs. To me, when you look at the seven games, the two games that jump out at you as the most winnable is the game in Sacramento and the game in L.A. against the Lakers. The Kings have not played well. You mentioned a bad loss to the Wizards. The Lakers, and I know when they play them on March 22nd, you're talking about that being, you know, almost two weeks from now. And it's a long time from now. And that's wild. It feels like it's a, a mil- so I don't know where the Lakers are going to be. If they keep losing, there's a chance we don't see a lot of LeBron James. That would be fantastic. That would be tremendous because even though the Lakers haven't played well, you still don't want to go up against the best player in the league. Seven games. What do you need from them? Two, three. What's the number? I think if I think if someone said right now we'll give you two, let's let's get you to um Friday Friday the 29th. Well, two would put them a game under, right? No. Two and five? Two and five would get them right out. They're three games above you're 500 right, right You're now. right. You're right. So that would put them at 500? Yeah, yes. I'd have to take that. So that would, right. You'd be 38 and 38? Yeah. I, I Come did. back home? I think you sign up for that. Absolutely. As awful as two and five sounds, and I don't want to see my team lose five times, but, you know, a one and six and an 0 oh and seven, and it's a stress city. They needed to put themselves in that position where two and five, because I always looked at it that way, as two and five being not great, but acceptable, avoiding of a disaster. Right. And I always looked at they've got to be in a spot where two and five doesn't put them under 500. They're three games above 500. Two and five gets them 
to 500. Now, one thing I've heard a lot about is, yeah, but when they come home, look at their schedule. Boston, Milwaukee, Toronto, Milwaukee, Indiana, Miami. Here's why I can't freak out about that. Those games are basically in April outside of the Celtic game. I have no idea what you the Bucs are going to be doing at that you point. Don't, yeah. Certainly Toronto, who's been maintenance day in Kawhi Leonard all season long, and if the Raptors see they may be a first-round matchup with the Nets, they're probably not going to want to show the Nets all that much. Sure. So I don't look at those six games as being the intimidating thing it feels like it is on paper because when Agreed. we get there, who knows what it's going to look like. Yeah, you don't, you don't know. You don't know what those teams are going to be doing. You, you really don't have any idea. And, and looking at these seven games – they're all very good West Coast teams. They're all B plus, A minus teams. There's no, there's no Warriors. There's no Nuggets, which the Nets actually had some success. Yeah, with. they swept. But them it this is year. games that are winnable. I agree. And it is. It, it's the it's the three through ten world of the West. Yes, which is tough. But there's wins in there. There, there. Like I mean, Utah's very good, and it's a tough place to play. But it's it's not a game you go in there going. They have no chance. They can win in Utah. They have a chance to win in Utah. They can win in L.A. They can beat the Clippers. Well, it's funny. I'll give I, you I mean, they, they can win these games. It's just the fact that you're stringing so many of them together. I, I'll give you a comparison. So the Pistons are a few days away, actually about a week away, from their own big trip. It's a five-game trip, not a seven-game trip. And it's interesting. It starts in Cleveland. And you say, oh, geez, well, that that's a winnable game. You're right. Then it goes to Phoenix. Oh, wow, geez, another winnable game. But then they go to Portland, which the Nets do as well. Uh, that one scares me the most. I completely agree. Then Ugh. they go to Golden State, and they go to Denver. So the Pistons road trip is very top-heavy sure. and then bottom, Yeah. while our trip, I completely agree, is more in the middle. And I was just about to ask you this question, and you've already answered it, and I completely agree with you. I feel like the most difficult game on this trip is in Portland against the Trailblazers. Mainly because Ennis Cantor assaults us on a nightly basis. And remember, the Nets won in Portland last year, I, I believe. Know. And that was the um, – Russell had a, a, had a really good game that night, actually, uh, last they did. season. But that is it, – It was early be- last season, but they did beat him in Portland. It's because it's the end of the road trip, too. It's after you've seen five other West Coast games that you then have to do it again after a weekend to go into Portland. Seems like a real pain in the universe. Plus, what. the bigs kill them. We the saw that back in Brooklyn. I mean, they, and I'm impressed what they were able to do against the Pistons. Andre Drummond did kill them on the <laughs> offensive glass. He did. That's a weird team. They, well, yeah, because they're built as if they are playing 10 years ago. I know. They're not wild. built. In, I mean, look at their guards. None of those guards scare me. Uh, Reggie Ish Jackson? Smith, Ish Smith played the best of the guards. What does that tell you? No, I know. Reggie Jackson was bad yesterday. Reggie Jackson's got not good at basketball. I'm convinced of that. I think, well, uh, I haven't watched enough Pistons to say, but I mean, I don't think last night was an indication of what he's been doing. Every time I watch him. Gotcha. Guy's awful. And remember, we all wanted him for Brooke Lopez. Yeah, no. Let's not forget that. No, it's it's crazy to think that was like four years ago, too. The first three games of this trip is the revenge tour. Remember, the end of that eight game losing streak was the collapse against the Thunder. In Brooklyn, a game they should have won. They had a huge lead. That was the exclamation point on all the losing and blown leads that they had earlier this year. The Jazz game is – did I go to the Jazz game with you? Yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, we did. That what was do you remember one. about that game? I remember they were down at halftime. They then had a great third quarter, and then they probably had about a um, 10- to 14-point lead in the fourth quarter and just – 
Donovan Mitchell. Yes, right. Donovan Mitchell killed him in that game. Ricky Rubio couldn't hit a shot, but Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert were terrorizing them. Rudy Gobert scares me, too. They terrorized them. They got hot. Yeah, no question. And the Clipper game, which is the third game on this trip, haunts me. Saturday night. In Brooklyn, very similar. They had, a, I think, a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. And Montrez Harrell. He was a, yeah. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, it he was, is. He has had some year, Montrez year. Harrell. How about the Clippers trading away Tobias Harris? They've got him better. I know. Doc Rivers, I, it, coach it, of the year. And that's why I remember when they made the Tobias trade, obviously the first reaction is disappointment because I think all of us kind of wanted the Nets yeah. to go after him. I thought, well, the, that Clipper game will be much easier. It's not. They're going to be a playoff team. And for the Clippers, how about that as a trade? They trade away Tobias Harris. They get better. They get draft picks. They're going. They have the same fate they had regardless. That was a great trade for them. No, absolutely. Because with Tobias, they're not winning a championship. They're not. They're not beating the Warriors anyway. They're going so to the, it matter. They're going to the same place. The right. Playoffs. Exactly. They have draft picks now, which is an incredible accomplishment. And how I, about who? Who schedules this? At L.A. against the Clippers on a Sunday. I know, I know. At Sacramento on a Tuesday, and then back to L.A. for the Lakers That's on Friday. That's a weird one. Well, yesterday <laughs> in the in the uh, post game, it wasn't from the post game, but they were replaying back interviews from earlier in the day, and the, it was something I never even really thought about. But they were talking about how do you pack for a trip that's two and a half weeks, and the guys were like, "Well, I have to bring two or three suitcases just so I have enough clothing to last." This Wait, entire well, hold road on a trip. second. There, there is a thing called laundry machines. I don't know if in the if the Nets have in the budget laundry machines. <laughs> I think that Joe budget. Harris just has to pack eighteen pairs of pants and twenty five <laughs> pairs of shorts for being West Coast. I really want the Wednesday game. I think that tomorrow night. I think there is something about getting that first oh, one. Completely agree. Because you said let's say okay two and seven, then that turns into one and six. Yeah, getting that game against the Thunder, coming off the high, getting in there. I have. I could see Oklahoma being not as ready for the Nets, and I think they have to take advantage of that if that is the case, coming off an emotional game versus Utah. Nets slip in there and be sneaky and get the game. Well, you know, you said something before about, for us, how all we've done is hear about this trip. And and I've brought it up a lot. I think the reason I've brought it up is because I knew where it was in the season and how important it would be if the Nets were in a playoff race. I mean, for obvious reasons. You know, they're in a playoff race. They're not guaranteed a playoff spot. And so when you have a seven-game trip as difficult as this at this point in the year, of course you're going to talk a lot about it. But the players have heard a lot about it. And so I completely agree that if you can get the first one, especially it's a revenge game. They should have beat the Thunder in Brooklyn. They should have beat them. That was a very, very winnable game. If you Yes, it was. I mean, of course it was winnable. It was winnable. They choked it away. You get the first one, it does start to take the pressure off. But one thing I was very impressed by is that there have only been a few games this year that I think you went into and said, boy, this is a playoff game. And the mm. first one was the game against Charlotte, and they failed it miserably. They got blown out. That was the game a few weeks ago. I think last night in Brooklyn against the Pistons was one of those games. And they responded in such a big way. And I, that's really impressive. And remember this. They were not shooting the lights out early. No. They were defending. It was 33-27 at one point. Yeah. And they defensively did such a great job. And I think that was the most encouraging. How thing. was um, how was the energy in the building yesterday? It was pretty good. It was pretty good. It was a packed house, which is nice to felt, see. Felt a little little more juice. There more was buzz. a little bit more juice. There was a let's go Nets chant early on. And look, we have a very low bar here because the Nets are trying to marinate a, a fan base here. Yeah. So no, I know. I'm just curious. But for all the games I've been to over the years, especially in Brooklyn. There's more juice, and you can just tell the people like this team a hell of a lot yeah. more than the uh, Darren Williams led. Well, team. I mean, look at their bench. Every 
shot, there's a choreographed dance routine <laughs> with not just one guy. Theo Pinson. I mean, there's five, six guys. And, you you know, I, you were at the game. I watched it. But it was Mic'd Up Monday. And this was the best of the Mic'd Up Mondays. It was Jared Dudley. Oh. And he, he was actually pretty entertaining. So, like, Dinwiddie's three would go up when they were going on a big run to make right. it 21-24. And you hear him go, all right, guys, th- three's up. Let's get let's get the routine ready. Let's oh, get the routine geez. ready, and they stand up and do the whole thing. Yeah. So, but to your point, it feels like these guys actually genuinely like each other. No, they have and a good the room. chemistry is through the roof. They have a good, which room. has helped. I think it helps too when you face adversity, and this team has faced a lot of adversity this year. Not just the three game losing streak that was recent, but obviously the eight game losing streak when they were eight and eighteen. So, what is your prediction on this seven game trip? My prediction is two and five. Your prediction my, is two and no, five. No, my prediction is three and four. I'm going to make it better. Wow. Kenny was asked what his prediction I was I know. Yesterday. He wouldn't answer he it. He wouldn't answer it, which was the smart move because you, any answer you – unless – the only answer he could give is like seven and oh with no, a sarcastic I, tone. But no, what no, you, gonna, you can't give another answer. You have to say seven and oh or not give an answer. Right, why else go? Is, what was that? Or, or for his perspective, why are they going? Yeah. You know, they get, don't absolutely. even show up. Let's rest for a I, week and a half. I remember ripping, and I forget who the manager was, whether it was Mickey Calloway or it was Terry Collins. It may have been Terry Collins when they went into a trip and said, yeah, we're trying to win two out of three. And I said, well, hold on a second. <laughs> what do you, what do you try? No, no. You try to win every freaking yeah, there's game. there's no other answer. And so, because if you say, yeah, let's get three out, let's get three, right? What if you win the first three? Right. <laughs> what are you going to say? Oh, well, we, we got what we wanted. All right, Theo, you're starting tonight. <laughs> By the way, six seed to you means nothing, correct? It's about who they play is more important. Well, me. if they're the seven seed, they're playing Toronto. Yes, most if likely. If they're the eight seed, they're playing Milwaukee. If I would like to six... avoid that. Okay. No, I agree with you. Plus, the Bucks the eight seem seed. to be the worst team to face for them. Completely agree. Plus, I think the men... getting the eighth seed feels dirty. No, seven I... and six feels right. a little bit. We're really in the playoffs. <laughs> right. didn't sneak in an East eight. Ugh. Yeah, doesn't feel the same way. If you get the six, it's one of three teams. It's Indiana, Philadelphia, or Boston. And even though the Nets have a good record against the Sixers, they're two and one. And the one game they lost, Jimmy Butler hit a mm-hmm. game winning shot. That's right. I fear them almost more than Toronto. And I know that sounds nuts, but I think the Tobias Harris acquisition makes that kind of difference, assuming they're healthy and Joel Embiid is back. I'm actually starting to fear because remember, the Nets haven't seen Philadelphia in a yeah. while. So to judge, well, they've beaten them twice. No, it's a different team. It's a different team. It was a million years ago. Now, now I know it's not the same team, and it's a very different, and there's a different coach. But Toronto has had playoff issues. They different have coach, different best player. Different best player. I get all that, but there is still a little bit of that there. How many wins do they end up with? If they get two here, they'd come back six games to go at 500. You win four of them. Then you finish 42 and 40. I think they're going to go right at 41 and 41. 41 and 41? I think they finish right at 500. And that would be good enough. Maybe it may be good enough for the six seed. I think it definitely gets you the seven. Yes. Definitely gets you the seven. Uh, maybe the six. And that all, uh, obviously, on, it's on gonna what? It's going to depend on Detroit. Right. But you look at the, I mean, you look at the eight seed right now. The Heat are 31 and 35. So they're four games under. I mean, if the Nets were at four games under, that would put them. They'd have to be 36 and 40 to get to that point. That's a seven game losing well, streak. Well, yeah. Which is how many games they have on the West Coast. <laughs> which is, which I'm going to edit that out. I, that was a complete accident. Don't fear, <laughs> as much as we don't want the eight seed, it's about making the playoffs. I agree. The, I agree. The teams agree. to eye are Orlando and Charlotte. Orlando yes. and Charlotte both have 37 losses. The Nets have 33. They are four games ahead in the loss column. They have the tiebreaker on Orlando. And they're probably not going to have the tiebreaker on Charlotte.
because they split the season series. Then it goes to divisional record, and the Hornets have a better divisional record. So they have the tiebreak on Orlando. They won't have it on Charlotte. They'd have it on Miami if they beat them final game of the regular season. They have it on Detroit. Yeah, they, they got to make the playoffs. It would be a major disappointment at this point. If they Listen, of course. It's a especially looking at how many losses it would take. They'd have to finish five games under 500 to miss the playoffs. Maybe four Which games is under 500. 30, what is it? 37 and 45. Which, by the way, means they'd only win one more game. Which could make it. <laughs> Which is it not impossible. That's why my confidence level on making the playoffs. Which is means, like, right. That, that, good uh, right now. Yeah, you'd need the magic. Yeah. <laughs> Well, at least they're not in the West because... Um, well, that's that a different be, yeah. story altogether. All right, Pisaglia. Well, we'll be staying up late watching West Coast basketball, though it does start with a very reasonable oh. 7 o'clock start against the Oklahoma City Yeah, we Thunder. didn't get into any of that, but with my schedule, I hate this. I'm going to miss games. Yeah, you, as I mentioned, Pisaglia I'm produces... Gonna miss the, I'm going to miss... The Monday game is just... In the, the Kings game, the, the weekday games, without the... I'm going to miss. You're a terrible fan, then. You I, find a way. You find a way. Yeah. Now, a couple of things. I, I, the, might, I might be up for it. I might be up. <laughs> Now you're selling it. Yeah. Look, the, the Sunday night game at 9 o'clock That's against fine. the Clippers, tough but fine. Tuesday night in Sacramento starting at 10 is a tough one. The Laker game at 1030 is on a Friday oh, that, night. Oh, that I'm good for. That's no, a good one. I'm good for that. Sunday night I get anxiety about the week, so I'll be up. That'll be fine. <laughs> it's, it's really the Tuesday. It's the Tuesday-Monday game. All right. All right, Biseglia, I appreciate it. You got it, Evan. Thanks for having me. Mike Biseglia, a fellow Net fan, producer of Taz and Moose on CBS Sports Radio. Thank you for listening to this edition, the Brooklyn Nets Monster Road Trip Preview Edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast. Coming up, uh, and this will be on March 19th, we'll air the Fantasy Baseball Preview Podcast. The following week, the Mets versus Yankee Bet Podcast. Our big MLB prediction show will be on March 26th. And our WrestleMania 35 preview show will be on March, or I should say, April 2nd. And you never know, I may pop in a few instant reactions here and there. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.